Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of cavernous sinuses found under the neurology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 24-year-old female presents with a progressively worsening headache and eye swelling. The pain is sharp and one-sided and affects the right forehead and eye. She has tried over-the-counter pain medications with no relief. Her headaches are negatively affecting her sleep. The patient is recovering from sinusitis. On physical exam, there is eye swelling, right lateral gaze palsy, and hypoesthesia of the V1 and V2 dermatomes. This is a case of septic cavernous sinus thrombosis. Let's continue with an introduction to cavernous sinuses. As a reminder, this refers to a venous plexus flanking the pituitary and cella tersica on both sides. Remember that cranial nerves 3, 4, V1, V2, and 6 pass through the cavernous sinus. Cranial nerves 3, 4, V1, and V2 are found in a fibrous sheath found on the lateral walls of the cavernous sinus. Cranial nerve 6 is medial, close to the internal carotid artery. It does not have a fibrous sheath and is prone to inflammation due to it being surrounded by blood. The carotid siphon, which is part of the internal carotid artery, and the sympathetic fibers that travel in the carotid plexus also pass through the cavernous sinus. The cavernous sinus receives blood from the cerebral, ophthalmic, and emissary veins, and it provides a pathway for infection to reach the intracranial structures. Now let's discuss cavernous sinus syndrome. As a general overview, remember that this refers to a lesion of the cavernous sinus that affects its contents. It can affect an isolated nerve or all of them, and it can be secondary to malignancy, either local spread or metastasis, as well as an internal carotid artery aneurysm within the cavernous sinus, a bacterial infection which may lead to thrombosis, an aseptic thrombosis, or from fungal causes such as mucormycosis. In terms of the presentation, on exam, one may note ophthalmoplegia, which is due to compression of cranial nerves 3, 4, and 6, or a fixed dilated pupil, which is due to cranial nerve 3 compression. One may note ophthalmic sensory loss due to compression of V1, maxillary sensory loss due to compression of V2, or Horner syndrome due to disruption of ocular sympathetics. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to the cavernous sinuses, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 32-year-old man presents to the emergency department with a severe headache. He says that the pain has been getting progressively worse over the last 24 hours and is located primarily in his left forehead and eye. The headaches have woken him up from sleep and it is not relieved by over-the-counter medications. He has been recovering from a sinus infection that started one week ago. His past medical history is significant for type 1 diabetes and he has a 10-pack year history of smoking. Imaging demonstrates thrombosis of a sinus above the cella tersica. Which of the following findings would most likely also be seen in this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Anosmia Choice 2. Mandibular pain Choice 3. Ophthalmoplegia Choice 4. Vertigo Or Choice 5. Vision loss The best answer to this question is Choice 3. Ophthalmoplegia This patient with unilateral headache after a sinus infection most likely has cavernous sinus thrombosis. Disorders of the cavernous sinus can lead to ophthalmoplegia due to palsies of cranial nerves 3, 4, and 6. The cavernous sinus is a venous plexus flanking the cella tersica on both sides. Cranial nerves 3, 4, V1, V2, and 6 pass through this space so that disorders of the cavernous sinus can lead to dysfunction of these nerves. 
The extrinsic muscles of the eye are innervated by cranial nerve 3, in particular, superior and inferior rectus, medial rectus, and inferior oblique, cranial nerve 4, in particular, superior oblique, and cranial nerve 6, in particular, lateral rectus, and dysfunction of these cranial nerves will lead to ophthalmoplegia. Cranial nerves V1 and V2 provide sensation for the ophthalmic and maxillary divisions of the face, and dysfunction of these cranial nerves will lead to sensory loss or paresthesias. Finally, the sympathetic fibers of the eye run along these cranial nerves, so cavernous sinus disorders can also lead to Horner syndrome, which would present with ptosis, meiosis, and anhydrosis. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Anosmia would be caused by dysfunction of cranial nerve 1. However, this nerve does not run through the cavernous sinus. Choice 2. Mandibular pain would be caused by dysfunction of cranial nerve V3. However, this nerve does not run through the cavernous sinus. Choice 4. Vertigo would be caused by dysfunction of cranial nerve 8. This nerve does not run through the cavernous sinus. And choice 5. Vision loss would be caused by dysfunction of cranial nerve 2. However, this nerve also does not run through the cavernous sinus. Finally, a bullet summary. Cavernous sinus pathology can lead to dysfunction of cranial nerves 3, 4, 6, V1, and V2. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 72-year-old man presents to his primary care physician due to worsening headache and double vision. His headache began several months ago, and he describes them as sharp and localized to the left side of the head. His double vision began one week ago, prior to presentation. Medical history is significant for hypertension and type 2 diabetes mellitus, which is treated with lisinopril and metformin. He smokes a pack of cigarettes a day for the last 40 years. His temperature is 98.3 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 148 over 84. Pulse is 60 beats per minute, and respirations are 14 breaths per minute. On physical exam, a mild head turning towards the left is appreciated. Pupils are equal, round, and reactive to light, with the more pronounced esotropia on the left lateral gaze. The rest of the neurologic exam is otherwise normal. Magnetic resonance imaging of the head and MR angiography demonstrates a left-sided intracavernous carotid aneurysm. Which of the following nerves is most likely compressed by the aneurysm in this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Oculomotor Choice 2. Ophthalmic Choice 3. Abducens Choice 4. Trochlear Or Choice 5. Optic The best answer to this question is Choice 3. Abducens This patient presenting with headache and diplopia is found to have an intracavernous carotid aneurysm. The abducens nerve is the most susceptible to injury and is in close proximity to the carotid artery at this location. The cavernous sinus is a collection of venous sinuses surrounding the pituitary gland. There are several structures within this sinus, including the cavernous portion of the internal carotid artery, oculomotor nerve, trochlear nerve, abducens nerve, ophthalmic nerve, and maxillary nerve. Injury or compression of any of the oculomotor or abducens nerves may result in diplopia. The abducens nerve is the most susceptible to injury as it is the closest to the carotid artery. Injury to the abducens nerve results in isolated ipsilateral esotropia, as seen in this patient. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. The oculomotor nerve also passes through the cavernous sinus and may be injured due to the carotid artery aneurysm, resulting in diplopia. However, the abducens nerve is the most susceptible to injury. You would not expect to see isolated esotropia with an oculomotor nerve injury. Choice 2. The ophthalmic nerve passes through the cavernous sinus and can be compressed by an aneurysm, resulting in sensory loss in the eye and skin of the upper face and scalp. However, 
this patient is presenting with an abducens nerve palsy. Choice 4. The trochlear nerve passes through the cavernous sinus and may also be injured by a carotid artery aneurysm. However, the abducens nerve is the most susceptible to injury. Choice 5. The optic chiasm of the optic nerve lies above the cavernous sinus. Compression of this structure would lead to bitemporal hemianopsia. Finally, a bullet summary. The cavernous sinus contains several nerves as well as the cavernous portion of the internal carotid artery. A carotid aneurysm is most likely to compress the abducens nerve, resulting in a sixth nerve palsy. That's all for this review about cavernous sinuses. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.